0: Welcome back to another episode of the Shifting Podcast. I'm Ed Rudisell, and we are... Where the hell are we? we we're in Arizona, man.
1: We're in fucking Scottsdale, Arizona. We are in Scottsdale,
0: Arizona, not, not, not Phoenix. And we are sitting here with the guy that helped to give me a, a career, and the legend of Tiki, Jeff Bumberry. Aloha. Do we call you Mr. Bum? Bum's fine. Yeah, Bum's fine. Like I mean, Anton LaBum. You signed your last email to me, Anton LaBum. Anton LaBum.
1: I "I, I, I love the fact that you, (laughs) the thing that bonded us together for life is after um, I I did this seminar in Miami, and you did a Facebook post about it, and you said to some friend of yours, I told you he's like a Tiki Anton (laughs) LaVey. And to me, that was like, oh, my God, I need to know this guy. And then, and then your friend wrote back and said, "Who's Anton Leve And it's like, "Oh fuck, you yeah, know, my, right. my world is gone. Right, I don't know like you a, anymore." Yeah, 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 yeah. I probably, but, uh, I probably unconnected that guy. I'm like un- I, I all. hope you did. I hope you unfriended that motherfucker. But <laughs> the thing is, um, I uh, when I heard that, is like, we need to talk. We got to talk. You know?
0: No, man, it was far out because, like, I mean, this is – so this is my first time to Tiki Oasis, and this is the first time in Arizona, right? So, like, this is a San Diego uh, Tiki Oasis event, but, like, the first time branching out into Arizona, and the Inferno Room – uh, which where I'm a partner with Chris Coy, and we felt like we needed to represent, and I've reached out to you, man. Like, let's hook up. Let's talk Satan. Let's talk some dark hearts. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk
1: about the nail. Yes. <laughs> the, 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 the dark hearts of Tiki, man. Let's talk about Natas and Mai ties. yeah. <laughs>
0: but no, we've been sitting here for, well, all you know, full transparency. We've been sitting here for about two hours chatting about, you know, the industry and, and how things are going, and, and Tiki and uh it's it's no secret that i'm a big fan of tiki and you know we've got tiki par ourselves but like rum geeks and like you've i think i told you i listened to a recent podcast with you that was done in australia and and like you had made a comment in that podcast that you are like this is your second life and that's that that's very rare right like cuz i'm at 43 years old and i'm looking at like Is this what I do? Yeah. You know? And so, uh, I mean, this is, you you had, like, this rebirth, right? Like, I mean, you own a bar now. You've got books.
1: Yeah. It's funny. um, F. Scott Fitzgerald famously wrote, there are no second acts in American life. You get your one shot, and if you fuck up, that's it. But I've got a second act, and the second act is all due to the Tiki revival. And um, Did you fuck up the first act? I did. I totally <laughs> fucked up the first act, man. I was in the, I was in the movie business. I fucked up, and um, I aged out. And by, by, I had a pretty good eight-year run as a screenwriter. I'm going to get a pretty good pension when I turn 65, if I can make it that long. Right, yeah, right. But, um, but, but there was a certain point at which it's like, okay, this is not happening anymore. And and what do we do now? And during the entire time that I was in the movie business. I was also doing these Beach Plum Berry books, which were totally a hobby. It was a hobby, man. It was just like, I, I didn't expect anything from it. I never expected anything from it. And I was just like, um, it's all started because I always loved Tiki drinks. I would go to the Tiki Tea, or I'd go to Trader Vic's in Beverly Hills when I could afford to. It was either that or do your laundry. You know, and it was like, um, you take your change and you'd, you'd be able to get a navy grog at Trader Vic's, you know, nurse it for an hour until sure, they- Sure, man. Yeah. So, so anyway, those were the drinks I loved and I wanted to know more about them and I started looking into it. And I had a journalist background. Um, so I applied the journalist ethos to trying to find out what was in these drinks that I loved. And very quickly I realized that nobody was gonna tell me shit. as because these were very valuable trade secrets. Like, to know what was in these drinks meant a career for you. For the bartenders who knew them, they wouldn't tell anybody what was in these recipes because that's how they got hired. Right.
0: So this is 2019. So, like, yeah. I mean, nowadays, like, everything's on the Internet. It's all open source. Right. Like, everything's yeah. open source. And But, like, back in the 90s, there was no Internet. No. And if, you, if you made a drink or you knew a recipe of drinks. And, yeah. fuck, man, we, we still have Rolodexes from our old places. Yeah. We're like, here's the recipes. But, like, you were digging this shit out from, like, places that were 70 years old.
1: Yeah. And, and the thing is that, um, that these places, this w- these were very valuable industrial trade secrets. And you never told anybody what was in a drink recipe because that was commerce. That, if you knew what was in that recipe, yeah. that was your passport to employment. Um, and for 40, I would talk to some I old- I love ti- that
0: passport to employment. Yeah.
1: Man. I would talk to some old-timers like Bob Esmino um, or Tony Ramos who were working at Don the Beachcombers or, or uh, Steve Crane's places in uh, the Contiki's in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And they would say, yeah, you know, we would, we would get hired to bring those drinks to another venue that really wanted to cash in on the Tiki craze and we'd say, yeah, we know how to make these drinks. We could do that for you, but we're not going to tell you what the recipes are. They would say this to the general manager or the owner. They would say, we're not going to tell you the recipe. We'll tell you what you need to order from your vendors. Right. But um, but but if we don't like it here, or if we get a better offer somewhere else, we're going to just take our recipes with us, and you're going to be fucked. But that's and- a lot of the evolution of Tiki, right? Like, I
0: mean, because I mean, that's where those guys were in the '90s. Yeah where you're hunting these guys down in LA but like if you back that up down into like 30s, 40s, 50s I mean they there was what a couple key holders right yeah. like if we're going back to ghostbusters fucking like <laughs> references <laughs> right. right are the, you the gatekeeper the key but, holders right yeah. i mean there there weren't that i mean you had to find the people that had like the pieces of the puzzle because yeah um and the 30th is like, okay, you you mix, you know, uh, two ounces of mix number two and four ounces of mix number four, and and you know, and and, yeah. and like you've got to decode that. It's not so easy as just like going and interviewing a guy.
1: Well, well, here's the thing, is like this is this is how it happened. It's like um, Don the Beachcomber, Ernest Raymond Beaumont Gant, who changes legally changed his name to Don E. R. Beach or Beachcomber, when his bar, Don the Beachcomber, became successful. Um, he originally had what were legendarily known as the four boys behind his bar, and they were all Filipino bartenders. Love that man. Yeah, who made his drinks, and eventually became the seven boys. it's forgotten. Yeah. When, and by the 1937, when he got hugely famous and nationally known from coast to coast, he had to have seven boys. And, yeah, it's kind of racist, boys, whatever, But but these guys were skilled craftsmen, who could make the drinks to his specifications, and when there were 150 copycats of Don the Beachcombers by 1937, because the craze was sure, huge, yeah. because of the stuff that he invented. It
0: imposed prohibition.
1: Right, yeah. Um, th- For those, for those of our listeners outside of the United States, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we had prohibition from nineteen nineteen to nineteen thirty three, and in that time, the craft of bartending disappeared. Like nobody knew how to do anything. Any bartender worth his salt who wanted to, or her salt who wanted to continue their career, went to London, Venice, Paris, or Havana. Havana. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and and by the time They changed everything. Yeah, by the time repeal happened in nineteen thirty three there was no cocktail culture left. You had to start from ground zero. And Don Beach became the avatar of the post-prohibition um, cocktail revival because he had been to the Caribbean and he understood how to make a tropical drink and how to dimensionalize it in his own unique way. And the Filipino bartenders who he hired, he hired them because he was it was a repayment. When he was down and out in L.A. after he went around the world twice and ended up broke in Los Angeles, the Filipino community took him in and gave him a place to live and fed him and watered him, and he repaid them by hiring him, hiring Filipinos to work in his bar, hence the four boys and the seven boys. Now, what he didn't do was pay them enough money when Don the Beachcombers became a hugely successful um, like Hollywood hotspot. So if you wanted to cash in on the tropical craze that Don originated, all you had to do was poach his bartenders by offering them more money, which is exactly what happened and exactly how his recipes spread from bar to bar. Shit it still happens. It still happens, exactly. So. I got hired one of your bartenders last week. What? What the fuck, (laughs) Ed? All right. Pistols at dawn or swords? Right now, it's your choice, man. I choose pistols. All right. Well, so we'll wait till. So we're friends until the dawn, until the sun rises. Forty-five minutes is maybe the last
0: episode of shift drink.
1: Yes, shift drink is over because I'm gonna fucking kill you. Uh, That's what
0: you think. Latitude twenty-nine might be done.
1: Yo, no, 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 no. (laughs) You're you're dead, man. You're dead. You're a dead man walking. Anyway, um, so in the 1930s and 1940s, all these bartenders who knew Don's recipes were disseminating them around the country to rival restaurateurs. And Don got kind of tired of that. So what he did was, he put his recipes in code. And he would have, instead of telling you what was actually in the drink, it would be like, Don's Spices number two, or Spices number four, or number eight, or number six, or whatever. And the bartenders who we hired to serve, the new hires who were serving these drinks, that's all they knew. And if somebody poached them and offered them more money to go to their bar, they would do that. They would go behind the new bar, but then it was like, where's your number six? Where's your number four? I don't know how to make this drink. And that works really well. And it worked too well for Don's legacy. Because after Don died, he'd never published any of his recipes. Right, man. Whereas Trader Vic did. He did, Right. So we all know Trader Vic now, yeah, but, but he, Don had disappeared because he didn't publish his legacy recipes. He was the big bang of Tiki. He was the guy who created all this. He was the guy who Trader Vic ripped off, but the recipes were like, they weren't there.
0: But that's what it fucked up your career.
1: Yeah. Because you had to go hunt
0: this shit down. So like, yeah. I'm a big fan of Trader Vic because <laughs> I like that. Just now stirring his, uh, he's got, he's, I'm doing he's got the, Gar- the Gary
1: Regan. I'm doing the Gary Reagan thing, man. <laughs> hey, Although finger. it's not a fucking Negroni. I'm not a Negroni fan. But this we got is, a finger in a drink. This is uh, Richard Seals, Dorley's XO mixed with some Pierre Ferrand Dry Curacao, Uh-oh. some liquid alchemy orca, orgeat, and some lime juice. And, we just uh, marked,
0: we just... Mixed like fucking antimatter with matter and like, yeah, because uh, you, you as put, I understand it, stuff Richard, Richard Rich, Seal
1: and Pierre Ferrand do not exactly um, they, they don't go to bed together. The yeah. world just exploded,
0: man. The universe is we just mixed it all together, yeah.
1: And all um, I'm doing is drinking that fucking drink, but, so uh, yeah. and
0: So, like, when we fast forward to 1943 for, or 42 43 when Trader Vic's like kind of Stolen the rum raft that he's from Don Beach, man. You know, like, we really start to see, a, like, a ramp up of the uh,
1: kind of tea craze. Absolutely. The thing is, um, Vic deserves credit because he didn't just rip off Don Beach. And many people did. Like, Zamboanga Joe Chastek would serve all of Don's recipes and rip him off and, and rip off Don's, like, South Seas, raffish beachcomber persona. And then there were people like um, at the guy at the Seven Seas who ripped him off. But Trader Vic was the only guy, the only one out of all the people who copied Don Beach, who just, who said, I don't want to just rip off his recipes. I want to learn how to make these drinks myself and how to put my own stamp on them. And this was helped by the fact that Vic was a chef. Yeah. In addition to being That's a bartender. That's a big, big yeah. differentiation. Yeah. And also by the fact that... Um, Vic had, I interviewed a lady named Shirley Sarvis. Shirley Sarvis was a wine critic You wine writer. Yeah, I did, and,
0: and that, that that journalism background.
1: Journalism background, <laughs> exactly. Because you don't just take shit off the internet. That's no, not journalism. No, no. That's it, bullshit. No, you know. No longer. Well, you, you know, talk face to face with we're, people. We're you old know? guys, man. We're know? right, right. Yeah. So we're old school. Shirley Sarvis, in addition to being a wine critic and a food critic she was the woman who edited or ghost wrote most of Trader Vic's drink and food books, of which there were many. Oh yeah. And I I got her number and I interviewed her and she was almost blind at the time. And I sent her a copy of Sip and Safari and said, Miss Sarvis, I wanted to talk about Trader Vic, and I, and here's what I've done. And she says, "Well, that's fine, honey, but I can't really read the book because I can't really see anything anymore." And, uh-huh. and I was like, "Okay, okay, okay, fine." But she told me that Trader Vic, Victor Bergeron, out of all the people she ever met in her entire career as a wine critic or as a food writer, she she said that Trader Vic had the most perfect palate of anybody she'd ever met. Really? And she said that Vic could imagine what something tasted like without having any of the ingredients in front of him. He could visualize what a taste was. I mean, that's that that's Michelin and star chef. Exactly. And, and, and you take that, and then you see what he did, which was like he did not want to rip off Don Beach. He wanted to find his own path to how to make a tropical drink with his own stamp on it. So what he did was, instead of stealing don's bartenders by paying them more money or instead of like trying to reverse engineer don's beach don beach's drinks and finding an approximate right yeah. version of it <clears throat> he went to the caribbean where don beach originally got his inspiration he went to cuba he went to trinidad he went to jamaica and he sampled the best of what the caribbean had to offer and he he synthesized that into his uh, through his own palate and came up with his own versions of what uh, we now call Tiki drinks are. Right. And these were different from Don Beach's drink. Like Don's drinks offered like heavy-bodied rums, mostly lime juice, and uh, and dense, dense kind of like uh, thick syrups. Vic took a much more approachable, floral, light approach to his drinks. Like whereas Don would blend three different rums to create a base spirit that no one bottle could give you right for example like the a old, he-
0: the old adage right what one rum does well three rum right. does better
1: right so so that was don's breakthrough thing that was he did it that nobody else before him did as far as i know in my research he was the first person to combine like a dark thick dense heavy molasses pot still jamaican rum with a more floral, sherry-finished, column-still Puerto Rican rum, and then throw a third curveball into it with a smoky, uh, charred wood-tasting Demerara rum to create a base spirit that no one bottle could give you. Fine, well, and good. But what Vic did is he took it one step further, and he said, okay, I'm gonna mix a white Puerto Rican rum with uh, London gin and a cognac take these three combative volatile mixtures and harmonize them and then i'm going to put a sherry float on top of that shit and it's like that's that's next level you know that that takes that, that takes don to the next level which is something that don himself could never have done you know right and, and vic Well, that's
0: how the world's changed, right? Yeah. We're what, 85 years into this, right? Mm -hmm. So like we have the benefit of globalization. And that's what I always tell people, like if Vic or Don had had access or even Steve Crane, man, right? They, if they had had access to everything that we have access to. So, I mean, what, what would they have done? I feel like that's what you're doing, right? Like. it's what
1: we're all doing,
0: yeah. Because we don't know the answer to that.
1: It's like that episode of The Mighty Boosh where everybody was, <laughs> where, where they were looking for the new sound, right. you know, <laughs> on an yeah. alien planet. You know, it's like we're all looking for the new sound in the drink. And I've had stuff in my travels that's kind of next level shit that I could never have thought of, like. Sandalwood essence syrup and pandan leaf. That's pandan. That's yeah, the new, that's the new jam is pandan, you know. So, our like last
0: a... episodes with uh Dave Delapine, before that, we had the guys from the green zone in DC. And so, like, they were talking about like their Chris Hassan Franca is super into tiki, but he's like Lebanese Iraqi, so he's like, he wants to use Arak and and, and, yeah. and like preserved lemons and and the but he's born american right yeah and so he wants to make a tiki drink with flavors that he grew up with it's an interesting segue because i i was wondering how you feel about this because it's no secret in the last year myself and my business partner chris Coy have built a tiki bar called the inferno room and so as we built that bar we thought we were going to be these new modernist like you know fuck what's been done before us we're yeah. going to make these really great tropical drinks that nobody has seen before and it's going to be great and we're going to blow people's minds and what at the end of the day we had like 90% uh beach bum Berry drinks <laughs> which weren't yours right like they're not your drinks they're no. the, uh, things that you I like, was the midwife. Right, right, right. You were the midwife. But like we realized we were really traditionalist. Uh we didn't know that. Until we started building it, we we really learned a lot about ourselves during the, like the construction process because we thought we were like edgy, but we're yeah. not. We found out that we're really traditionalist, and so like at that time it was like, where do we go from here? Today, so we're at Tiki Oasis, a good friend of mine, Garrett Richard from Existing I, Conditions in New I York. I love
1: Garrett Richard, yeah. dude.
0: Garrett has served me some of the best drinks I've ever had. It, Well, I say this year. We're like four months (laughs) in. But, you know, like, Garrett's great, man. He's awesome. He's for some amazing drinks. I missed a seminar today, but it was was entitled The New Traditionalist. And I really like that title because it's a fucking conundrum, right? Like, I mean, like, it it makes no sense. Like, The New Traditionalist. Yeah. None of us would have a career if it wasn't for you, right? Like, so, I mean... We found out about this stuff in, in you know, post-2004. We found out, like, how to make a Mai Tai, how to make a zombie. Zombie shit, man. You told us how to make a zombie. We didn't know how to make a fucking zombie. Yeah. Maybe we did. Maybe we didn't, right? No, you didn't. Yeah. All right. This is a side note. And this is, what, this is why people love or hate my show. <laughs> so I I go to this little, like, neighborhood shitty... Japanese sushi bar by my house, where you get like California rolls and yes. like fried tempura rolls. Uh-huh. Like nothing, nothing very Japanese, right?
1: I gotta tell you, Ben.
0: But they uh, make mai tais there, and they've made mai tais there for five years. But the, the ownership changed a year ago, and I never ordered a cocktail there. And a year ago. The Mai Tai recipe on their little flip menu thing on the, on the table okay. that shows you the specials of yeah, the Yeah, the table
1: tent? Right, yeah,
0: yeah the table tent. And it, the, the table tent changed. And it said Wednesdays, Mai Tais, rum, curacao, lime juice, orja Hey! And I was like, holy shit. That's a Mai Tai. That's a fucking Mai Tai. Yeah,
1: all and right. And I was like,
0: we're winning, man. Yeah. Like this is happening. Score one for the team. Because that's that that's a segment of the industry that like largely ignores like yeah. the geeks, right? Like we're yeah. the geeks, right? We we're preaching to one another. Exactly. Like I mean, you and I can talk about, oh, I, like I love Arabian rum, I love like, you know, Demerara rum, but you know, 98% of the population gives no shits they whatsoever.
1: They have no fucks to give.
0: But you largely, like, brought that
1: to the forefront, right? Yeah, by by, by accident, man. By and,
0: accident, because yeah. you're not, at that time, you weren't even a cocktail guy.
1: No, man. It's like, here's what happened. What did, did like, you pour me? I don't even know. Say what, what now? Did. What did you pour the, in this drink? I got some, like, uh, Dorley's XO. <laughs> into whatever the fuck you had in your glass oh. before, <laughs> which, which I do not know about, so it's was like, a cheers. Sante. Yeah, I got some uh, Pierre-Ferrand Curacao, some Liquid Alchemist Orgeat, And whatever's in that bottle. Some, fuck, some wine, wine juice, juice and, and wine a, juice. a whole shit ton of Dorley's Rum, and that's what I got. I'm not mad at that. I am, I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> so, the deal was, I was going to Tiki Bars in LA, and they were all dropping like flies. They were disappearing. And these were the drinks that I loved. And these were the only drinks in the dark ages. This is the dark ages of the cocktail. So, by all right. Way. So, let's, let's let's get into that.
0: Let's back up to like yeah. 75, 76. So, yeah. like, I was born in 76. So I, I don't remember this. Holy shit. You were born in 76? That's what? when I entered college. I That's know, right? I right, understand. right. I mean, but, like, hell. so that was like the death, right? Like, yeah. Vicks had been sold to a conglomerate. Don's was like, like Don's non, was over. non-existent, it was right? Like right. yeah. so, there the, Tiki was done. Yeah. We're talking like Tom Cruise cocktail era. We're like, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, doing yeah. poetry and serving you know whatever the fuck on the bar. Like, yeah, cocktail, no one cared about yeah. craft, right?
1: Yeah, we were in the dark ages, man, and the dark ages meant some serious shit, man. Like, I got old enough to drink legally in '79. And if you went to a white- 79, ta- damn, you are old, brother. I'm fucking ancient. <laughs> I'm a fucking dinosaur. I have to wait until the sun comes up. I gotta be on my rock, man. Until, <laughs> until the heat brings me to the point where I can, like, try to eat my prey, you know? <laughs> so i like, like to know what the prey is, man. Yeah, whatever- There's
0: a bottle of rum?
1: Yeah. <laughs> My, 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 my prey is whatever mammalian creature is unaware of my presence, you know. So, anyway. Diana Joe's garage. And, <laughs> and we, are talking, we are talking about the 1970s and the 1980s, and this is a time when dinosaurs walked the earth and snakes <laughs> had feet and legs, you know. And it's just like, it was an ancient time. The Jurassic period. If you went to a fine dining restaurant, white tablecloth, waiter, captain, which is something that's disappeared altogether, like the idea of a yeah. captain, yeah. Um, and, and all this other shit. If, For example, I thought a daiquiri, when I ordered a daiquiri in one of these restaurants, which I spent like a month's worth of fucking laundry money on just to impress a day, <laughs> you know, like Scandia or something like that on Sunset Boulevard, if I were a daiquiri, it would come in a hurricane glass, and it would yeah, be like man. a slushy um, thing with strawberries, and then the, the, the uh, coupe de gras would be like a dollop of whipped cream and grenadine on top of it, right? I mean, can you can really have a daiquiri without whipped cream? Were... No, man. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know what a real daiquiri was for years. Dude, for years.
0: I didn't know until 2007.
1: See, so you're in my camp because like I had no idea that a daiquiri was something that was like shaken and strained into a, co- a cocktail coupe with lime sugar and uh, and, lime- and rum what the fuck I had no idea I thought she added strawberries and and crushed ice and ice cream or at the very least whipped cream so always whipped cream yeah and if you're an old fashioned by the way in the '70s or '80s, it would be put into a blender with crushed ice, and you would get a slushy old fashioned. If you ordered a planter's punch, God help you! And I could go on and on, but I won't. But now,
0: me, like, so yeah. like my myself and my business partner at the in front of room, Chris Coy, like so we worked at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings in the '90s. Yes. And so like, our all of our like house specs were like 18 like serving ingredients. Yeah. And if somebody came in and said like, "Can I get an old fashioned?" We were like god damn dude.
1: <laughs> Why did you just kill yourself? You know, I was like <laughs> did,
0: did, did your grandpa
1: tell you how to
0: like order a drink because like <laughs> that's fine. It was like, you know, uh, like,
1: you, you want an Old Fashioned? Why didn't you just go die? Right, go going to like, the nearest gulch and just die, you know. It was you, like
0: You're at a Wings joint, right? Yeah, or, right. You're at a sports bar. Yeah. Like oh, you want old fashioned, and we were like, "Fuck you, goddamn! Who the fuck? Your grandpa told you." <laughs> and so like, but now fast forward, right? Like yeah. now we're here, twenty years later, and like Chris and I are business partners at the Inferno Room, and we laugh at like how ridiculous that was. It's like we were fighting against a three-ingredient, like, beautifully yeah. stirred cocktail. Easily made. To be able to serve, like, hey, man, you don't want this thing that has, like, five kinds of, like, uh, Decai fucking, like, liqueurs yeah. in it. And, like, maybe, uh, some juice. And I always, actually, I'm not sure this has ever been told in the podcast. Is that right? But you know what? Me and you, we're tight.
1: We draw shit out of each other, right? We, uh, we, we do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: This is a very much more personal podcast than most are. It's like some
1: kind of voodoo shit, man. It
0: is. Are you a Pisces? And my uh, Gemini, man.
1: All right. Okay. Okay. I I love you right
0: now, but in half an hour, I'm going (laughs) to hit you. (laughs) You're going to fucking stab me in the
1: back. (laughs) Uh, All right. Now I know. So I'm ready for it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, like, my last year of working in corporate restaurants, I was uh, sitting there bullshitting with a bartender, man. His, His name was Eric, also. And, uh, he's making like nine shots he's, he's got the uh, he's got the fucking like tens all served up you know like poured uh, all the liqueurs and the syrups and I, I don't even know what the fuck he yeah. is in those things he's got them all going and he shakes them and we're bullshitting about I don't know sports or or whatever the hell we were talking about nice and he shakes them and he pours them into nine shot glasses for the uh, the for the ladies that were waiting for them, and and he, and he puts them up in the well for the server. And I said, uh, "Hey man, um, I, I, I've been standing here. Uh, I'm the manager of the place, you know." I said, "I've been standing here. I'm like, uh, did you, did you put any booze in those drinks?" And he looks at me. He goes, "Oh no, I never do."
1: What? Whoa! <laughs> and I
0: and I said, "What the fuck are you talking about?" He goes, "Dude." Every time somebody orders that shot, they, they just want fruity drinks. He's like, I never put booze in them. Well, oh, fuck, man. And I said, You're charging $9 a shot for those fucking things, man. Yeah. <laughs> so for, and I said, We've been here for four years, man. He goes, Yeah, it's, you know, trying to make some money.
1: Can I just say, <laughs> this gentleman is a genius. He
0: is a genius. <laughs> no, and he looked at me, he goes, No one's ever returned one. Mm-hmm. Totally.
1: It was I, a terrible I,
0: I, time. The 90s were a bad time. I, I would
1: hire this dude in a second.
0: <laughs> it was a bad time for cocktails. But so, like, yeah, I mean, so we talked about this before, and I don't want to seem like a fanboy, but like, who can't, right? Like, who can't seem like a fanboy to, like, Beach Bumberry, right? Hey, like, man. Because, like, you did. The work that none of us were willing to do. First of all, I was young; I was too young to do it. But yeah. so, like, but there were a lot of people that were not too young to do it. Yeah. That didn't bother. Well, because like you, I mean, you had early experiences and tiki bars that like kind of you know sparked interest. Yeah. But like to 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 go further than that to like how did they make this? Yeah. That's that can be very quickly disparaging.
1: Well, it's fun- thank you for asking that, Ed, because um, there's two parallel tracks on this. And one was that for me, tea drinks and tropical drinks served well were strictly a hobby. That was, that was, my, that was my way to relax and unwind.
0: You were, you were a Hollywood guy.
1: I was, I mean, I was trying to make it in the movie industry and for me, going to these places that still existed was like, yeah, these are great drinks. These are drinks that still use citrus, that still use like uh, homemade um, syrups and tinctures, and they care about what the fuck they're doing. It was like this was the dark ages of the cocktail, the seventies, eighties, nineties. But tiki bars were the only bars that were doing what we now would call craft, culinary craft cocktail co- cocktails, but. <laughs> But those words didn't exist back then. They were just no, doing what man. they always did from the nineteen thirties on. Yeah, and that was the cocktail that appealed to me, and that I I pursued. And it was always a hobby. It was nothing professional. It was like, how do I find out? Okay, if you guys are making these drinks and you're gonna and you're going to go out of business, which is exactly what you could predict back then. It was like these places were like gone, the, the era was over, the time was over, you're done. How do, I make, how do I make these drinks after you've gone into business? I have to learn how to make the recipes. And that's when I went to the library and I went to used bookstores and estate sales and swap meets and tried to find any particular recorded written thing that would tell me how to make a drink. And they didn't exist. No. Except for Trader Vic. Trader Vic, in but, 1972, did his bar guide, and he put all of his recipes out there. But Don the Beachcomber never did. And it but was... Even and, those recipes changed though. Yeah, man. they did. They did. They changed over... Nobody kept those recipes static. Everybody who had any talent and who had any... Um, Native energy that they can impart to the recipes would change them constantly constantly tinker Don Beach was a perfect example of that he tinkered with his recipes endlessly the zombie in 1934 Were no relation to the zombie 19- 1936 which bore no relation to the zombie in 1980 which was recorded in uh, Phoebe Beach's book his third wife. Yeah, so he constantly tinkered he never left anything alone
0: so what one, one of yeah. our bartenders that works for us and uh <clears throat> i'm sure he'll get his child in future episodes uh eric and he's always like we're, we're we're missing that like first part of don beach's life like the travel part right Yeah. like i mean it, it reads like uh you know i'm i'm fascinated always and I have happened since, uh, like, my college education about, yeah. like, the trek of uh, Antarctica, right? Like, how all the uh, insanity occurred. So, like, but, okay, so, like, I, I, we, we, we can go for hours, man.
1: Yeah, I'm here.
0: I'm no, already. you're not. You're, we can't do this for five hours.
1: I, I don't care. I don't give a shit. was like, like, let's do it. We, um. we <laughs> Dude, Je- dude, Jeff,
0: kindred spirits, man. Yeah, but like, so anyway, let's, let's circle, about like, circle about to seriousness. So like, we saw, yeah. like, I, uh, we, we, we made some drinks for the uh, documentary today yeah, about, about and Bosco,
1: they, and they were they were brilliant. They were really tasty. Thank you.
0: Uh, that's usually a drink made with a couple of different liqueurs. Or. What's
1: the, What was the spec for that drink? I, I didn't get
0: it. So we had some, uh, well, it was, uh, it was an agricultural base. Uh, with. So we the drink's called Thunder Island. So in, in Indianapolis, we used to have an amusement park called Thunder Island. Okay,
1: that's cool.
0: It was just like you would burn your back with like like a skin burn going yeah, down yeah, the yeah, slide. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I get that, yeah. So we're
0: like this... this that that that's that was the point of that drink and but, like, there was numerous times. It was, so the documentary is about Bosco, and he numerous, goddamn, like a lot of times, it was like Jeff Berry. Uh, hold on, All right, I'm, I, I got to This is the first time in the history of Shift drink, Shift drink Podcast I'm gonna read a quote, but he said you. Single-handedly revived tiki cocktails, and that's not untrue, man. Nah, yeah, well, because like, so that's why. I mean, I saw you what a few months ago, and I said I made that comment. I saw you today, I made that comment. I saw you yesterday, made the comment. But like, I mean, I make money off you, dude, right? So (laughs) like.
1: And thank you for admitting that. I mean, because... Thank you for admitting that, because so many people make money off of me and they don't admit that. So it's like, uh, (laughs) awesome.
0: We're clinking glasses I mean, because how can we... I mean, like, I didn't know what a zombie was in 1934. How could anyone know that without doing the fucking research? Because what you you do, man, you're like this, like... You are a fucking, like, Indiana Jones kind of character... (laughs) But with a lot more booze, you yeah, know, <laughs> a
1: drink in Anna Jones.
0: right? I mean, because but but it really is, it's it's not a um, I think it is it, it's, it's assumed in in 2019 that's that's an easy task to do, right? So, like. Yeah. Get online. You Google, you know Don Beach, some drinks. You Google Do- Trader Vic, some drinks. Stephen Crane, some drinks. But you were doing this in a time where the internet did not exist. Yeah. So like you had to go to like these dudes. But you you happened to be in the right place at the right time
1: for the first time in my life. <laughs> right. I was the one and only time in my life where I was in the right place, I was in Los Angeles in the eighties, nineties when tiki bartenders okay, so the tiki bartending thing had blown up, it was gone it was over, they scattered to the four winds but you would, if you went to a Mexican restaurant or a Japanese restaurant or what the fuck ever you'd find (laughs) yeah, you'd find these guys and they were all guys because it was a very sexist thing it was like a women bartenders
0: didn't exist back then. But how the fuck? Oh, so, okay, you found these guys. You found the guys that like had the secret knowledge, yeah. right? Like they knew how the drinks were made. But it's not like LA is fucking Alexandria. Like it's a, a you went out in LA and like into a big city yeah. to find the one dude, the one guy that actually knew the recipes.
1: That was the thing about you had to go out, man. Yeah? It was like before the internet, you went out. You went to Chinese restaurants, Japanese restaurants, Mexican restaurants, any kind of restaurant, and you would, you maybe, if you were lucky, would find some of these old-timers who had worked at Don Beast Commerce, who knew this shit. Tony Ramos is a perfect example. Tony Ramos was like a... It was the bartender at Madame Wu's, a Chinese restaurant in Santa Monica, which we, which my wife, Adine, and I did not necessarily want to go to. We got there before our hosts showed up, and there's this guy behind the bar with, like, one of his fingers chopped off in the true Chinese Tong gangster style. And he's... And he showed us a cocktail menu. And having a cocktail menu in 1990, whatever, was still weird. Yeah. You know, the fact that you could actually have one of those. So, But I looked at the menu, and, and I quickly realized that all the stuff on the menu was Don the Beachcomber's Greatest Hits. And I, I asked Mr. Ramos, did you ever work at Don the Covers? He goes, yeah, of course I didn't. Rita Del Rey, Palm Springs, Hollywood. And it was like, oh, my God. So so I ordered stuff from him, and it was, like, amazing. And from that evening, we would tell other Tiki people that we knew, Sven Kirsten, Otto von Straheim, blah, blah, blah. And they would all Run show up. Running the show? Yeah. They would all show up at Madame Wu's bar and order Don the Beachcomber's drinks. And Otto would bring a um, boom Boombox that would play Martin Denny records. So we, we would play Martin Denny as we were drinking Down the Beach drinks made by Tony Ramos at Madame Woo's And it was, like, um... pretty awesome. But that was the kind of shit that happened back then. It was like, you just had to meet people. It was totally random. So we're, we're
0: talking about, like, the 90s before there was a Tiki revival. But, like, before that, like, where... Where was your entree? Like, because nobody like this was like, man, I would love a drink tonight. Is anybody going anything like with coconut juice and guava and, you know, yeah. lime juice? And like, I mean, th- there's gotta be like an introduction
1: that did not concern me.
0: My, <laughs> yeah, you're like,
1: My perspective was completely personal and selfish (laughs) it's like all i wanted to know was how do i make a good tropical drink how do i make a good tiki drink and that's all i wanted to find out and i didn't give a fuck whether anybody else knew how to do that or could approximate that
0: at that point in time yeah but we're like what 92 93
1: Nine, oh, 89, 90, 91, yeah. Right, and, and but it, you know, in 98,
0: you yeah, got right, well, right?
1: Yeah, so. so here's what happened. It was like, um, on a personal quest, I would try to find out how to make good tiki drink recipes. And it was entirely personal. It was entirely on me. And... Eventually, like Otto von Striem, you all know Otto. He's the guy who started Tiki Oasis. Blah blah blah, <laughs>
0: blah, blah blah. He would have where Lou, we're at.
1: Yeah, he would have luaus in his backyard, and these all they were all attended by surfers. And the surfers would come up to me, and I would make a, perch, a punch for them, and they would say like, "What's in this punch?" And I would say, "Well, here's here's what's in the punch," and It didn't take long for me to realize it would be much better to have like a printed out version of what was in the punch. Yeah, man. Because I didn't have to tell them about that. So I went to the Kinko's and I Xeroxed some of the recipes I knew and gave them to the surfers. And one of those booklets went up to San Jose, California, slave labor, slave labor (laughs) graphics. And um, uh, Dan Vada, who is the president of slave labor. And he said, hey, man, I love Tiki. Do you want to do a Tiki book? And that became the and you know, whatever. Wait. But we never in a million years would have predicted that there was a huge Tiki revival on this. Well, scale.
0: so that's where we chime in, right? So, like, at, at Black Market, we were like, we didn't want to do bourbon. We did want to do vodka or gin. Just we're like, fuck it. We'll do rum but at that time we googled best rums and you know about half of them are still available but um that was what oh nine, 11 10 or 11 mm-hmm. you know so like it's the one point where Indian is actually like tracking like yep. the national trend because usually we're about four or five years behind
1: just like new orleans yeah
0: yeah yeah We started putting drinks up. The the steam started clashing with the cuisine. We we were serving at our farm table restaurant. So, and like, at that point, we split off and, you know, opened the window room. So, I'm like, it's hard to sit here across from you and not be a fanboy, right?
1: (laughs) Hey, you can be a fanboy. I'm not offended. (laughs) You know,
0: I know you're not offended, but it feels weird, you know? I was like you got your hat you're like you know it's fucking Beach Bum Berry man but i tell right. you what your your last email to me it broke it down you obviously looked who up looked up who the fuck I am
1: yeah I got I, I got the 411 on your shit man,
0: <laughs> man. yeah <laughs> when you sign that shit Anton LaBum I'm like my favorite new tiki dude <laughs> and yeah
1: <laughs> hey Hail Satan, man! <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. The, the only the only religion that I can get behind, you know, is like yeah, is none, right? Yeah, like it none. is none, is none. Yeah, uh, it's like for me, it's like okay, we're here. Somebody in the universe has said we need to be here, but you know, while we're here, unless we get signals from anybody else in the universe. It's like, let's just get fucked up and and deal with it the next day, you know? Let's yeah. It.
0: You know what? I, th- I feel like that's worse to live by, right? Like, totally. let's, let's get fucked up. We'll deal with the repercussions
1: yeah. tomorrow. We'll, we'll deal with it tomorrow.
0: All right. Bum. Bum. Anton bum, Anton LaBum.
1: Anton LaBum.
0: Anton LaBum Jeff Beach Bumberry. The Bum. Hail Satan. Hail Satan You know what Fuck it You and I We're, we're gonna go Get fucked up man
1: <laughs> Yeah I'm pretty fucked up now <laughs> But we're, we'll get, we're well, gonna We're gonna get kept, Even you more fucked up pouring
0: The door leaves man like, Hey Richard We love you.
1: Yeah. We, we We were in your booze Richard Sale I blame you For my mental state Right now We're <laughs> It's always. your fault It's your fault You are to blame That's it Sorry for all the rest of our listeners out
0: there, thank you for listening for the last three years. We completely accept that you will never listen again. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end of
1: your. Yeah. This is the end of your show. This is
0: the yeah. This is the like finale. Yeah.
1: We're, we're we're done. We. It's all over.
0: If we had mics, we would drop them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Hey, peace out, Jeff. Let's go drink, man. It's time.
1: It's time to get fucked up. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going. Peace out. Cheers.
0: I was graduate. I was a sophomore in high school when you were doing the hard work, you know, and like, there was no internet. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, dude, honestly, I, I, asked my whole staff the other day if anybody ever heard of Fraggle Rock. Not a single fucking person. <laughs> no, none. Fraggle Rock. None. none. Fucking shit. zero fucking employees. And I was like, I'm I, so out of touch, I, man. I, was like, I think I've, I've clicked over. i
1: <laughs> Oh, dude. They didn't know I'm about like, Fraggle
0: Rock. I've officially clicked over to like you know yeah. I got the gray hair. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. You know I got a little bit. There's still some no red. Fraggle, no, There's still some. They didn't know. No love for Fraggle. But, Rock? But you know it's like so. Chris texts me. Know. He goes. He goes, dude, quit. I said, hey man. Jeff said he was gonna do a podcast. I think it would be a fucking cool as shit. And He goes. Hey, he texted me. He goes, quit being a fanboy. And then you emailed me that next one that said "Hail Satan," yeah. Anton LaVam, and Chris is like we're eye on that shit. We're both metalheads. In fact, we had Slayer playing down on our fucking tiki's, nice. and like finally they're like, "All right, you need to play some, like something <laughs> different," you know.